You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Traveler, welcome to the town of Portsmouth in the year 1381. This is the Game Garage, a show where we play tabletop role-playing games. And today we are playing GURPS, the generic universal role-playing system. And we are traveling back once again to the historical 14th century. This is our campaign entitled The Calamitous 14th Century, where we've seen all the horrible things that happened to normal common folk in the 14th century in England. We've been through famines. We've been through plagues. We've had two attacks by the French. It's been a tough century, but this family of player characters has weathered it all. Let me introduce their players. He is one of the co-hosts of Campaign Promises, a show that he and I do every (laughs) once in a while. He's also a game master and a producer. Clinton Trucks. Uh, it's me, Clint, everybody. Thank you for using my principal credit. Occasional co-host. <laughs> That's right. Of a forgotten show. Uh, of a show that uh, has uh, aired uh, four, five times. Um, he is a, one of the hosts of the Glass Cannon Network. He is the Game Master for Voyagers of the Jump, and you can also see him uh, on uh, Strange Aeons Live. Uh, he is a mainstay, uh, a favorite here at the Glass Cannon, Matthew Capitacasa. Hello, everybody. I can't wait to see how we're going to die horribly next. Yes. Um, how will I murder you this time? Who's to say? Uh, maybe you'll survive. Uh, but something horrible will happen. Speaking I of horrible things hurt. happening. Oh, that was a terrible. That was a terrible a transition. I like it. Um, no, I like it. Uh, speaking of horrible things <laughs> happening, this guy makes great things happen. At Paizo, where he's the publisher, and they put out all kinds of awesome product that uh, gets the nerd in me really excited. Um, and uh, he's just done so many great things in gaming and in publishing, and we're really happy to have his imagination with us here today. Eric Mona, everybody. Hi. Um, so happy to be here. Welcome, gentlemen, all back to the 14th century. Send your mind back, back through the centuries Back to a time when everyone was just sort of constantly covered in fleas. Uh, back to a time when your house probably had a roof that was made out of sticks and straw that had been thatched together. And animals, little animals lived in your roof and kind of were kind of constantly burrowing through it at all times that was sort of just something that roofs had was roof animals inside of them it is kind of cute is if the french want to burn your house down they can basically do it with a thought it takes no effort to burn your house down and they get lunch out of it which is kind of nice true right it's like how did the french manage to burn down portsmouth Several different times. By the way, this today's adventure takes place in 1381. The French have just burnt down Portsmouth a third time. <laughs> wow. That happened. They hate this city. 
that happened off camera. Uh, that's that's background for today's session. The French burned down uh, the city twice when we were playing and once off camera before today's session started. So, uh, and uh, yeah, like you say, Clinton Trucks, that is just a roof that's begging to be burnt. I mean, people didn't like learn how to make things essentials. fireproof for a while. <coughs> Excuse me, I still have a cold. Okay, um, let's see what else. Oh, uh, your food... Uh, was usually pottage, meaning that you had a, a big cauldron in your home and it was just filled with whatever you had kind of lying around, leeks and potatoes and and vegetables and gruel. It was kind of a gruel that kind of constantly simmered over the fire and you ate out of it for days and days at a time. Does that sound appetizing or disgusting to you guys? I mean, with a pottage, what I imagine is it has good days and bad days, right? <laughs> Something good like might have gone day. in for, for a day or two. It's fine. And then it just gets progressively worse. You know, or you're you're not wrong about that because sometimes they would get a treat and they would get a little bit of meat. Right. And that meat might go, uh, you know, they might eat like the good cuts and then they might put the gristle and the fat and some of the extra little things, the leavings from the meat. Oh, into sure. the pottage, and then that's a pretty good bowl of pottage that day, man. Yeah, just some pretty good you. pottage there. Uh, growing up with a mom from uh, deep Mississippi, uh, we a lot of uh, maws, trotters, jowls, etc. would find their way into a pot, and that's good eating, I gotta tell you. My grandma used to say that we eat everything from the rooter to the tutor. That is that is that is awful. The the <laughs> The no, rooter, in both senses of the word, awful is and awful. One of the most unappetizing things I've ever heard in my life. Weed everything so from the rooter to the tutor. First so of all, not- I have so many questions. First of all, what is a rooter? Yeah, I had questions about that as uh, well. That would be the, the the pig's nose. Okay, all right. Uh, we would do a head cheese on occasion. And then I assume that the tutor is the pig's asshole. Uh, we would have uh, chitlins, which is. Uh, a cleaned and boiled and uh, never uh, seasoned enough uh, pig intestine. If you so, close your eyes and think of France, it's like you're eating calamari. And a lot of yeah. places where you order yeah, yeah. calamari, that's actually what you're eating. You get pork. Are you serious, yeah. Eric? Is that oh, yeah. true? Yeah. You look did, it up. Oh, there was a whole NPR story about there. No, was this but, American I feel like it was it. debunked on that NPR story. <laughs> Well, it's they, possible it was debunked. We say lots of debunked stuff here they, in the game garage, but look into it. It's interesting. They concluded that it is entirely possible if you're deep if you're battering and deep frying it, you probably wouldn't notice the difference. You could be eating just, anything. Yeah. yeah, you just have to clean it enough to get the the, the bung scent and taste out yeah. of there. But it's but so it's, it's possible. It's so, debunked. So Eric's <laughs> had you you've had chitlins. Mm, no, no. Okay, Matthew, no. have you had chitlins? Can't say I have. Oh, it's just me? Thanks, everybody. No, no, I've had chitlins one time. I went to like a southern southern restaurant and I ordered the chitlins to be like, aren't I hilarious? I'm going to eat chitlins. And then they were like, do you want hot sauce? And I was like, no, I don't need hot sauce. sauce. Give me the chitlins plain. And um, (laughs) I ate plain chitlins. And if I could describe it to you, it was like... Eating the boiled intestines of a pig. Oh, very much like sure. that. If that's you can good, imagine that. The experience from, was accurate. 
I'm from Minnesota, so the most adventurous we got was cutting our pizza in squares. <laughs> I think you lucked um, out. I think that that's mm-hmm. the way to go. One yeah. of the joys of chitlin preparation at home is the purchase of chitlins. It comes in a sealed five-gallon bucket. And then oh. you... <laughs> Yeah. So you can't just you can't just buy one chitlin. You have to get. No. Uh, I mean, they come in lengths. As you, you have to imagine. buy a five gallon bucket of what Clint's grandma referred to as tutors. <laughs> a bucket uh, no. of tutors. She, she referred to them as chitterlings. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, <laughs> can you have? Can you have? I guess they're not chitlins if they're from a cow, right? They have a you can because you can have cow intestine. So I don't know what they're doing with cow intestines. That just get ground up and turned into. To feed or something. I don't know what they do with cow intestines. They don't isn't make sausage that a, isn't, them, isn't that an English yeah, delicacy? Isn't that part of English food? Cow oh, intestines? Tripe. Almost it's tripe. tripe, yeah. Oh, of yeah. Course, no, no, tripe is stomach lining, sir. Oh. Well, the, my Google search was wrong. Please uh, please tune in to the GCN Employee Lounge for Cooking with Clint, <laughs> where he teaches Apparently, you. Apparently, beef intestines are a good source of low-fat protein. Okay. Oh, I'm going to go have some right after this. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Haven't, haven't you guys ever gone on a tripe diet where you eat nothing but intestines? Um, and it really is good for your intestines, actually, oh, uh, to only sure. eat intestines. It's a circle of life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, what the Lion King had in mind. Okay. We should probably play the game now, but keep in mind what your characters are eating and how that'll affect their psychology. Uh, keep in mind that they're covered with fleas. Keep in mind that their city's been burnt down three times once recently. And keep in mind that 12 years have passed um, since uh, their last uh, experiences. Oh, but I should say our two caveats to our show. Uh, since this is a historical game, we want to mention, I'll do this quickly, that we are not historians, so we're probably going to get something wrong. Please feel free to let us know in a polite way when we've gotten something wrong in the chat. I will be paying attention. I want to see how many historical inaccuracies we can count. Um, second, history is full of horrible, despicable isms, racism, sexism, uh, classism, and we are not trying to celebrate that at all. We acknowledge that it happened. We're also not necessarily trying to tell a story about that. So at times we may sort of gloss over it so that we're not telling an icky sort of sad story about all the horrible injustices of history. We are simply telling about the survival, how these people survived a very tough century. Okay, so back to the story. Um, it is uh, late May in the year of 1381. Twelve years have passed. I want to know what your characters have been doing for these 12 long years. And I'd also like to know uh, if there are any new characters to introduce. I I think we should actually start with our preacher, Bertram of the Cross. Uh, Yes. Bertram, you were an old man at age 38 in uh, 1369. Now you're 50. The years have been less than kind to me, but I now look like I'm 78 um, Even though I'm yes you probably Jesus. do now you definitely yes. you were just you were on bond but you definitely had to go to trial for your heresy um, I think that you had to make a case for yourself and I think that uh, in a minute we're going to have you do some public speaking to see how that trial went in one role but first uh, you might be affected by aging right oh no 
Oh, yes, actually, you know what? The public speaking would have had happened back when you were 38. So let's first see yes, how that trial went to see if you spent any time in a dungeon. I will say, as I'm speaking to Lord Harlow Hater and his liegemen, that my religion is Christianity and it is not heretical. Just as the worship of Jesus is fundamentally in many ways a worship of the blood, my family has given its blood to Portsmouth Town. In fact, all loyal men and women of Portsmouth have given their blood to the land. It is not my movement, my lord. It is our movement. And that is That's pretty convincing. Go ahead and add plus two to your roll. Well, I'm going to need it. Uh, well, maybe not, actually. So I got a 12, and my public speaking is 12, so with a plus two, I made it by two. You made it by two, so you succeeded. So I'm going to rule that you were free to kind of spread your doctrine. Uh, you may, I mean, you can tell me whether you maybe toned it down a little bit in terms of the heretical content. But you were free to uh, preach as a lay preacher, which is unheard of. So they were really letting you get away with something. I think <coughs> in the interest of safety, I'm going to make some of the blood stuff a little bit more metaphorical than literal. But once you do ascend to a certain level of the inner circle of trust, <laughs> there are psychology. some bloodletting rituals that need to occur. Yeah. Um, now we need to make... And of course... Bertram of the Caves mushrooms remain an important part of the religion. Of course. Um, and uh, I think that you have a small following, and I think that they imbibe the mushrooms with you, and you all have visions of God. And I think, though, we should find out what the years did to Bertram. So um, he's going to make his aging rolls. GURPS has aging mechanics. So he makes, uh, was it, uh, a health roll for each of his statistics. Is that right, Clint? That's right. For each year beyond the age of well, we're only going to make... But I'm only 50. You're only 50. So we're going to just make them for the for the for your 50th year. We're going to make them. Okay. And um, and I want to get under the score for each of these things. And what happens right. if he fails, Clint? So if you fail, the stat goes down by one. If you critically fail, it goes down by two. If you critically succeed, you wouldn't have to roll for that stat again. <clears throat> Excuse me, for that stat again the following year. But that's not going to work. Yeah. Okay. I see. All right, so do we start with strength? Sounds good. Currently a 10, and I rolled a 16. Okay, that's a failure. Strength goes down by one. Okay. I'm making dexterity. notes over here. Uh, easily crushed the dexterity roll by like six, so I'm good there. Great. Uh, IQ? Do you do IQ. IQ, or are we just doing... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you gotta do IQ. You can get stupider when you get old. That's sort of ageist. Oh, I'm afraid the years have not been kind to Bertram O. Oh, the Cross. I got a 15 out of 10. So your IQ Oof. goes down to 11. Oh, oh. Actually, a 15 out of 12, but whatever. 11. And you can see okay, that H. that affects your will score and your perception score, so. And every Bloody skill hell. he has. Oh, great. Uh, and then the... Oh, yeah, it affects literally every skill that Does I have. Does that make, it, and then make the last, them each go down by one, Clint? Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing is HT. I can't remember what oh, that is. That's health. Oh. Yeah, I failed that by three as well. Oh, okay. Now you know what happened to... 
Tall Robert. <laughs> yes. Less Tall Robert? Less Tall oh, Robert. Boy. So we'll... Well, the years have not been kind, as you said, uh, Bertram the year. of the Cross. The year. Yes. Um, yes, it's especially the last one. It's really difficult. So um, I'm taking all of your skills down by one. I, I, I'll, I'll let you do that bookkeeping on your own as well. So when we roll during today's session, uh, you have a handle on it. And I'm going to turn to Clinton Trucks, and I'm going to ask you, how is, uh, how is Jack the Hod doing um, here 12 years later? What has he been up to? So when last we saw Jack, we were still in the midst of throwing off the French invasion. Uh, I think he probably rejoined the army for a year or so uh, at that point. Uh, then came back to Portsmouth, uh, married, uh, uh, maybe kicked out a squirtling or two and uh, has been working as a mason ooh do you want to know what his wife's name is I would okay let's find out let's find out shall we uh, I have a medieval name generator here we can use and you say uh, a squirtling you say that is that children that that would be a child <laughs> okay okay um, so how about um, how about a, a, a wife named Justice? Whoa! Ooh. All right, wow. I like it. All right, uh, and uh, what about your children? Should we find some children? Let's do it. All right, you've had um, how many children have you had? Uh, should I roll a D four? Yeah, yeah let's roll see. a D four if you can. Or if you think you've been really prolific child-wise, you can roll a d6. Actually, give me a health roll first. Give me a health roll first. All right. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, 17. Uh, That's a failure by five. Oh, boy. Okay. Maybe I I didn't have any kids. Yeah, I think that maybe you or your wife is barren. Yeah. You are justice. Um, since it was my health roll, let's say it was me. I don't want to put this on her. Yeah, that's right. Let's not let's not put that on on justice. Okay, um, this is very horrible for a medieval man to not have any children to carry on his yeah. legacy. Poor Jack the um, Hawk. Unless he's a priest. Unless he's a that's priest. Fine. Unless exactly. He's a priest. Um, uh, it just means that I I try and keep my wife in fine style. I have to waste money on children. Sure. Um, fine style as a farmhand. Yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. You better watch out or some Latter-day Wilkie is going to show up and steal her from you. We scrub out our pottage pot every three days, guys. That's how we're rolling around here. Ooh, wow. Wow. <laughs> it seems funny. wasteful. It's funny you should mention that, Eric. Oh. <laughs> it is funny you should mention that um, because um, Esther 2, of course... Expired from the Black Plague after the uh, Second French Invasion in our last episode. So you have brought a new character. Matthew, tell us about this character. Uh, this character's name is Oswald. Oswald is... Well, let's back up. So as we all know, uh, during the first French Invasion, Wilkie took shelter in the Mushroom Cave with his paramour, Mathilde. This is like burned. previously on Downton Abbey. Like we're yes. going back. Yes. Mathilde was the wife of the Miller... Uh, with whom Wil- young Wilkie engaged in an extramarital and blasphemous affair with. The miller eventually uh, had to sell his business to our family. Wilkie then ran all of those businesses into the ground, uh, souring things a bit with Mathilde. 
However, in the heat of war and the throes of passion in the mushroom cave, he and Matilde rekindled their affair, even though she had married some other guy. Uh, and that marriage produced, uh, or that union produced a daughter. And that daughter eventually had a son. And that son's name is Oswald. And he has found his way back to Portsmouth to reclaim what he thinks is rightfully his, all the shit you think is yours. <laughs> so, um, how do you think that Bertram of the Cross uh, reacts to this prodigal member of your family who's come back to take uh, the role of the new Wilkie? Wilkie's, uh, I mean, is this a bastard, basically? This is, right? Am yeah. I considered a bastard if my parents were joined in holy matrimony? Um... Oh, no, that's true. No, that you wouldn't be. No, you yeah. wouldn't be. Yeah, um, I know that. Uh, but 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 really, uh, my mother was a bastard. You're secretly, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. Okay, that makes total sense. Okay, you're not a bastard, um, but your connection to the family might be questionable. Uh, it depends on how Bertram wants to respond. Bertram being a, you know, definite uh, bona fide member of this family. You could call me the page. Yes. Uh, this family needs strong blood. And I think that Oswald may be just the answer to keep us going into the future. So I welcome Oswald with open arms and a ritual bleeding dagger that he will need to incorporate into his daily routine, but I'm sure he'll be okay with that. Oswald is by trade a blacksmith, uh, and he is, uh, and he's a merchant. He sells his wares. Can I show you something, Oswald? Sure. He, uh, sure. you know, he at some point he takes you into the farmhouse, and he goes into an old drawer, and he pulls out this burlap folded thing, and he opens it up, and then just resting in the middle of his hands, there's a single old, slightly misshapen nail, and he says. This was created by our family years ago. You, as a blacksmith, can bring us full circle. Oswald takes the nail and inspects it. One shitty nail. <laughs> is it a smell? Yeah, it's not the best. If this is our family's legacy, I plan to improve upon it. He throws the nail back into the rag. Technically, the family's legacy is one of martyrdom and sacrifice and psychedelic cave mushrooms, but the nails are a part of it. Is, is my grandfather still alive? A Wilkie? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, I can answer that no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Wilkie survived maybe. until the 1349 yeah. ev- uh, events. He survived the plague. But um, let's see. I mean, he was quite old and, uh, and infirm at that point. And he I think ni- he, he was 19 in our first session. Yes. So, and at what year was that? That was in 1316. <laughs> it's 1391 now? It's 1381 now. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. <laughs> Do you want him to be alive? Can you I see know. how the men in this family age? Look at Bertram of the Cross. He's fairly <laughs> Let me take a let me take a you know what? Health negative four roll for Wilkie right now. 
Okay. I think Wilkie's health starts at nine, so I have to roll a five or under on these three dice. Okay. Oh, please. Perfectly Wilkie. fair. Get this. I rolled a one, a two, and a three. So it's oh. not under five. Oh. I think that <laughs> he just um, died before you. Died. He died last year. <laughs> he died year. so recently that I think you're having this conversation with Bertram right after the funeral. But is my grandfather still alive? No, but hold on. Uh, there, another drawer. And I go into the next drawer and I pull out this burlap folded piece of cloth and I open it up and there's like a little finger bone in the middle of it. And I say, years ago, Wilkie accidentally cut off his finger attempting to re-engage the nail business. And I have kept it as a family relic. One day this will be at the altarpiece of a grand cathedral. But for now, young Oswald, I want you to carry this memoir of Wilkie with you at all times. Oswald takes the finger bone. He looks at it. And he throws it to the ground and he stamps on it. My grandfather was a fool and profligate and... He deserved everything he got. Did he die painfully? Uh, no, he died peacefully. Uh, sort of uh, blissfully unaware that he was dying. <laughs> died the way he lived. Just kind of fumble <laughs> along, everything. He was, yeah. he, he was, in fact, a great man at the end. A man of God. How- he was not the things that you said. I'm told he that did. he had he blasphemed and had affairs and was an adulterer well, and fathered Oswald, my mother one and thing you, abandoned her. One thing you, you need to know about Portsmouth. People throw around the word blasphemy here. It, it wasn't that bad. He, he did father my mother with another man's wife and then abandon her to be raised a bastard. Yes, he did that, but the cave is a very special place. Very sensual that conception place. in the cave makes up the bulk of book f- of the acts of, uh, of Willem. You should read it. Can you read? No, I cannot read. I'm a Oswald. mere blacksmith. Well, pull up a bench and I shall read it for you. <laughs> the French were approaching the cave. And then I'm just going to read him the history of the fateful night in the cave. And we'll fade Contest. out on that scene. And I want to see <laughs> if if uh, if you're really trying to rekindle the fortunes of this, uh, of this uh, family, Oswald. I want to see how successful you are at that. So... Uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and give me a blacksmithing roll and a, and then a merchant roll, and the combined results of those will tell us how it's going. Okay. Blacksmith roll was an 11 under 13. Okay, great. And then the merchant roll... Your goods roll. are of high quality. Excellent. news. Oh, the merchant roll is an 8 under 12. Uh, soon you have a thriving business going. Um... And your nails are much more, uh, you know, intricately and uh, uh, aerodynamically designed than your predecessors. You invent the screw. I invent the screw. Uh, no, you would have had to get a critical to invent the screw. But your nails are <laughs> are things of beauty. 
uh, and you have a thriving business going. And um, I would like uh, anybody who'd like to to tell me, um, you know, who they're talking to during this time. Um, who do they meet in town? Uh, let's start with Jack the Hod because we haven't heard from him in a minute. Uh, so Jack the Hod uh, probably does decent business, but mostly fixing uh, fireplaces, things like that. If someone were to be making a, a forge, they might want him to come and uh, build. Uh, for them, so if build uh, my forge, Jack the Hard, build it well. Give yeah, give give uh, Oswald a new a new forge. <laughs> well, like a contractor, I'm walking around the old burned out. Like, well, this is not in great shape. Uh, I can get some boys down here. I'm gonna, it's gonna be a little expensive, but I'll do my best. Uh, and I will see if I can rebuild the forge right on the uh, space of the old forge. GURPS, the only game that provides the opportunity for exciting masonry <laughs> rolls. Uh, well, so, uh, six on ten. That's pretty good. Uh, it is pretty good. Oh my gosh, no wonder the these nails are coming out at such high quality. The forge is a thing of beauty. What a beautiful f- oven of steel you've created here. Did you know my grandfather, Jack the Hod? Did you know him? Now people talk about him. He, uh, roughly get they said, uh, a lech and uh, a villain. Uh, kicked in the head, became sweet as pie. I'm glad you knew the version that was sweet as pie. <laughs> if only that version was the version that met my grandmother. Well, hear so ye! You- hear ye! One of the town criers is shouting uh, something important out in the town square right outside of your blacksmithing business. Hark, is it I hear Matthew the, the Judge? What's that? It, it is near. Sure. Of course it is. Matthew the Drudge. Oh, yes. Matthew Drudger. Drudger. Matthew Drudger. All townsfolk are summoned to an audience with Chief Justice of the Court of Common Pleas, oddly dead main on this such and such date, several days from now, although the character gives the specific date, uh, and... Uh, uh, we will be asked to make a uh, make a accounting of the tax shortfall. Did you say someone was named Oddly Deadmane? Yes, that is the name that I randomly rolled in my medieval name generator. <laughs> Oddly Deadmane. It's an incredible name. Oddly Deadmane. It's Dead. what I rolled, and it's justice? what I went with. He is like, a chief justice of the Court of Common Pleas, and he is coming to look into the tax shortfall from the town of Portsmouth. Recently, you all have been hit by taxes over and over uh, from uh, the royal government to fund the war in France. The Hundred Years' War has been going on and on, and a couple of years ago, uh, two years ago, they asked every single person for a groat. A groat is, um, I don't know where it is in my notes here, but it, it's its its a bit of money. And then this year they went ahead and they asked for 12 pence for from every person over the age of uh, 14. Uh, now, what is 12 pence to you? Well, for some people at the very low end of the economy, it's about 10% of their wages. Whoa. And that's uh, for the year, which that's in addition wow. to... 
That's it. You know, it might not be quite that much for you, a successful blacksmith, but it is maybe like a month's work. Um, and so, uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is concerning. You're being summoned to make an account for the fact. Well, what I want to know is, did you pay the tax? Bertram of the Cross, did you pay that tax? Might there be a religious exemption? There uh, actually wasn't a religious exemption. In fact, official members of the church had to pay somewhat more. Oh, shit. Now, you being a heretical Um, preacher uh, with no actual orders having taken, maybe you got around it. Do you think you paid uh, your 12 pence or not? Good sir, at great personal expense, I made the most brilliant oratory performance of my long life in front of Lord Harlow Hater himself, and he forgave me, so perhaps we could be a little bit less loose with the H word. Right, uh, very good. You are no longer heretical, uh, except in the eyes of the church at large. Well, yes, there's that. But locally, I'm right in the mainstream. Uh, Could I have afforded to have paid it? I think it's probably unlikely that you... It's unclear how you make money. You individually... Yeah, it's it's unclear. By tithes? I don't know. Selling uh, drugs? Could I have pressured my flock for additional donations that I could then pass along to the governmental... That sounds great. Why don't you make a public speaking role and see if they provide you. very good at this, although not as good as I once was. That's right. Oh, my God. I got a six out of nine. Or no, out of uh, 11. So So even though they couldn't really afford it, your flock provided you with the donations you needed, and you have paid your tax. Render unto Caesar. Jack the Hod, do you think you paid your 12 pence? So, uh, Jack the Hod is an enumerate man. He would leave all of his business dealings to his wife, Justice. Uh, Although, if asked, he would pay the tax because as a a man of the military, he knows where that money goes. It's very necessary. Well, what was he doing to make money? Let's see if he he made enough. Uh, Maybe he just couldn't pay it. Yeah, working as a stonemason. So, let's see how I did. Mm-hmm. Nine. Ten on... Ten on ten. So, it's certainly a stretch. I think you ba- ba- barely scraped by, and you don't have a lot of coins left, but you did pay your 12 pence in taxes. Um, and finally, um, the new the new blacksmithing business is booming, but... Here, just as you're getting off the ground, Oswald, this tax is levied against you. Do you think that you paid it? If I can, I think Oswald would. But I don't know if I can. Well, we know that your blacksmithing role went really well and your merchant role went really well. So rather than roll those things again, I'll just say that, yes, you could pay it. But, um, you know, again, it's like a month's work uh, that has just gone to the royal government uh, who've been asking for this money year after year to fund this war in France, which seems like it will never end. And now I would like to set a scene where all the prominent people in town are summoned 
before this oddly dead main, a name that will go down in GURPS history. Um, I mean, and sounds like he should be part of the Batman and the Rogues gallery. For sure. Uh, yes, um, he wears a top hat and a cape and carries a uh, shuriken. No, um, oddly dead men. Uh, he, uh, he looks like a prominent member of the gentry. Um, he definitely is wearing rings and medallions and a uh, puffy tunic. Uh, and he looks uh, definitely like someone of quality that you should all give homage and your respect to. Yes. Uh, and he is, has summoned everybody in town uh, into the church, including the, your liege lord, Harlow Heter, now a bit more long in the tooth, and of course hobbled from his wounds taken during the siege of Portsmouth, 1369. Uh, and uh, and the, uh, the man dead man is asking, why has the tax not been paid? Some of you have not paid your tax. There is a shortfall of over 140. And I would like to know who has not paid their tax here in Portsmouth. You, preacher, come forward. Me, sir. Yes, sir. You are over 14 years of age, are you not? Oh, considerably, sir. Yes, I, I was being, I was being, hum- uh, we'll I, forward. I was making a joke. Of course you are, oh, grandfather. <laughs> Such a sense of humor, sire. Mm, yes. <laughs> Have you paid your tax? Of course I render unto Caesar that which is deserved by Caesar, and the rest I give to Christ. He turns to Harlow Heter. And you vouch for this man that he's paid his tax? And Harlow his hair looks at you and thinks about it. And remind me why he decided to uh, give you a pass? Oh, you had an incredible speech at your trial, right? Many yes, years about ago. about how we all give our blood in Portsmouth's earth. That was a pretty good speech. Yeah, crushed it. Um... Was a pretty Don't good forget speech. about me, my lord. <laughs> Let's do a reaction roll. Years have passed. Let's see. Oh shit! But I'm gonna I'm gonna give it at plus two because of that great speech you gave. And uh, actually, but like to me, the reason that Harlow is even thinking about it is that you're one of the things in his community that brings perhaps negative attention to him. But think of the tax revenue from all the pilgrims who come to dine upon the bounty okay. of Bertram's cave. No, I'm thinking about it, and it looks think like... Think about it hard. I'm thinking about it very hard, and um, you rolled a 10, which is neutral. Um, so, um, Harlow Heter goes, Yes, he has paid it to my knowledge. <sighs> Uh, and then Oddly Deadbane is like, Well, then who is it? Who is it that hasn't paid their tax? And let them bring it before me now, or within the next two days, or I shall have to drag you all off to the jail. All of us. All of us. It's ridiculous. I will make an example 
I will make an example, paid or not. You will pay for the crimes of those of you who haven't paid. So I suggest you put forth who is holding back. Perhaps you um, just lost the money. Or stole it. Can I put a hand on um, his shoulder, Oswald's shoulder? Yeah, of course. You're a bit new in town, Oswald. Perhaps prov- provocation is not very timely. Oddly, Deadman actually takes his cold gaze and stares at you, Oswald, and it's like, I can assure you, we have made a very accurate accounting of how much we shall have earned from this town, and it is short, sir. We have not lost a shilling. What do you do with the money in our name? It goes to your king, and that is all you need to know. He what does the requested- king do with it, then? Oswald! You, sir, know that the king is at war with the French. And I do know it, and every time, every time the French decide to invade, who suffers first? Not the king, but us. He burns our town to the ground, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Uh, it's true. All the time, actually, eh? Yes. It's happened a lot. It happened four it's years happened. ago, says someone, because it did. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and this is why you should provide funds so that your king can take the battle back to the vile French. So that he can protect you. Fat load of good it's done us, right? Right? Um. I seem to have found one of our holdouts. I believe that you, sir, are showing your reasons for not paying your tax. I have paid my tax. I've paid enough tax with you trying to crush my new business. This man's not for small business. This man is out of order. Take him into custody. Uh, And so um, some uh, men-at-arms that were with uh, Oddly Dead Main march forward to grab you. I'll start an angry murmur amongst the the crowd. I'm going to try to interpose myself as a man of the cloth, and I'm going to say, Please, good sirs, have mercy upon this newcomer. He does not know our ways as of yet, but... His business is thriving and could be a considerable source of tax revenue in the future. He's from nearly 30 miles away. He doesn't know our ways. Can I make a, a, a persuade check there? A, certainly. Uh, public speaking? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I got. I made it by one. So I'm going to give you a uh, reaction roll at plus one for that successful. Let's see what they think. Okay. So, at plus one, so I mean, or, or I'm gonna say negative one for a reaction. Oh no, no, plus one's better. Oh, they love you. <laughs> um. So they're like, learned grandfather, this man uh, excites the ire of the king. He he blasphemes against the king. He questions the king. What are we to do with a with a countryman such as this. I'm just going to take a step forward and put my hand like this and I say, You squeeze him for more groats. 
You squeeze in more more groats sounds disgusting, but it really just (laughs) means more money. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so, uh, Oddly Dead Main says, We shall be here for four more days, and that time the shortfall shall be accounted for, or we are going to make an example of your citizenry. This meeting is adjourned. So you managed to smooth things over, uh, my friend uh, Bertram, but uh, they are not leaving, and they are waiting to be paid their tax. This is like the plot of Break Into Electric Google. We have four days to pay the tax bill, and they're going to shut down the teen center. Exactly. The teen center being the city of Portsmouth in this case. So, um, you you all have paid your tax. How so many you men could, at arms are there? That's a great question. There are. <laughs> you try and take them out again? I mean, like. 12. It, he has a party of 12. Not knows? all of them are men at arms. Wait. He has a party of 12 with him, and six of them are combatants, potential combatants. It's safe to assume this is a wildly unpopular tax and policy, right? Because it's pretty exorbitant. Wildly unpopular is a understatement. Yes, this is... Um, everybody's been angry about this for months. Um, not only is it an unfair tax, and another tax on top of extra taxes that were levied last year and the year before, but in addition to that, they have been really unorganized in how they've collected it. Um, so if they have a shortfall, part of it is their fault. Sure. You're not wrong when you said uh, maybe you lost it because there is so much graft and corruption and disorganization in collecting these poll taxes that some money has, in fact, definitely fallen through the cracks. Sure. The idea of a guy just showing up to town, getting a bag of money and riding away a lot can happen. Yeah. Um, So you have some choices here. You can just ignore what's going on, which is completely fine. You could try to turn in other people in town whom you believe have not paid their tax. Um, you could inform on them. Or you could do something about getting this oddly dead main out of your town. Or you, you know, or, or a third or fourth thing, fifth thing that I haven't thought of. Perhaps we should gather some of the citizens together once men-at-arms leave. And we'll God, see. Pool our funds? Why pool our funds? Clearly, this man has been spending our money and giving, and not not giving it to the king. He is the disloyal one. He is the one the king should make an example of. Do, do you have proof of this malfeasance? Of course not. I, I think we have to assume. Oh, oh yes, Jack. Twelve men is not enough to like sh- shake the shillings out of the pockets of an entire town. How, they, how would they stop us? If we were to gather up everybody together and say, be on your way. They, they, they are servants of the king who is appointed by divine right. They speak in some ways with the voice of God. We cannot overthrow the government. The government is eternal, like the sun and the earth. That walking wax you speak of a man foolishness, speak sir. God. There was one man who spoke for God. <laughs> Ever? Just one? 
Well, technically two, if we include Bertram O the Cave, but I was referring, of course, to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Um, if anybody would like to, since you're having all this talk about the king, if you'd like to know something about the king or have an opinion the about king it, right now? Um, it is Richard the Second. Richard the oh. Second, who is now uh, we're getting to territory. I under, now I remember yeah, a little Robin Hood action. Now Richard the Second is very young at this point. Um, uh, Edward the Black Prince died. Uh, he had kind of taken over the government from Edward the Third, who got very old and invalid. Edward the Black Prince died before his father, Edward III, who died shortly thereafter. And then it fell to Richard II, who I think was like 12 or very young when, when all of that happened and where, when, he took the, when he took the throne. His government was managed by his uncle, uh, mainly, uh, John of Gaunt. John Gaunt. Yes. And uh, people don't like John of Gaunt. They don't like all these poll taxes, mainly. Um, How's so, the war going? Very poorly. Very poorly. Um, in this last phase of the war, the English have lost most of their territories in France, and they are paying so much to maintain the ones they still have. That is why they keep levying this poll tax against all of you. But I heard some... What a good time to found a bunch of towns in the Middle East. <laughs> no? No, maybe not. Um, right. I mean, I see why you'd say that. <laughs> on, its, on paper, it sounds great. Right. right. So, um, I heard one idea, which is to gather up some town folk and run this tax collector out of town. No, no, to, to, to pool our funds to pay the taxes that were ordained by Almighty God indirectly. Down with Audley Genmain. Who's with me? <sighs> well, here's the, th- the city burned three times already. Here's the thing. Uh, you know, do you have any public speaking, my friend Oswald? Do you have anything that might help <laughs> you here? Um, I have brawling. Brawling. That's not going to help very much in trying to get. I am, um, however, attractive. You are attractive. I guess I would allow you to do a um, public speaking role. I'll allow your attractiveness to matter. But let's see what public speaking defaults to. In GURPS, every skill defaults to an attribute. It's it's IQ, Jared. I know it's It's IQ, IQ. but I think it's with a penalty, right? Yeah, probably. Oh. Yeah, that's why I like to look it up and see what exactly the penalty is. We play by the book here in the game garage, except when we don't. Um... Okay, here we are. Pickpocket. Public speaking. Uh, IQ negative five, but I'm going to give you a plus one, so it's IQ negative four. Okay. Uh, Okay, so IQ negative four, I'm going for a seven, and I get a seven. Holy (sighs) shit. Um, Good-looking people. Oswald, you have gathered a group of... Okay, you have at least 14 uh, people who are ready to band together and run these soldiers and this tax collector out of town. Gentlefolk, I'm just a simple blacksmith. And I'm new to your town. Your poet's mythian ways occasionally frighten and confuse me. But I do know one thing, and that is that this 
Oddly, Deadman means to squeeze our town and leave us for dead. Who will stand with me and drive him from our city limits? I will! And me also! Yeah, let's do it! Someone made a persuasive argument, so Jack's in. And Jack! <laughs> Alright, Bertram, what, what are you going to do? And what then? Bertram, what Oswald. are you going to do? Okay, go ahead. And what then? So you drive off oddly dead main. What about his follow-up? What about the person who comes next? They will want vengeance. You cannot simply cast out the king's ma- Where are you from? What if- This is not done in Portsmouth. What if we were to send out- Send out emissaries, perhaps, from our town to the other towns to speak to the peasants there, and perhaps band them together? They would be murdered as traitors by the lords of those towns? Surely? Maybe. A man's knees bend for a reason, Oswald. We are to supplicate ourselves before our leaders. Uncle, I respect that you have much experience in the ways of your books and your learning. Thank you. Then you see my way. (laughs) I appreciate your concession. But you are very old. And perhaps your ways are not new ways, and the new ways will be what save us. Am I not right, Jack? Yeah, let's drive him out of town. Yeah, okay. Pay this tax. Jack, so is a pig fucker. Fucking I've never had anybody explain to me why knees is knees. But you're correct that he is incredibly old. How, how does one determine what to do in a situation like this? Two perfect arguments. Uh, well, let me say this, um, just as your game master, it's perfectly okay to split the party. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if Oswald's party wants to attack the tax collectors and drive them out of town and Bertram wants to st- hang back while that happens, that's perfectly okay. Um, I, I can't, I can't let that happen. He's as misguided as he is. He's still family and I can't let him march off to his death, but it will destroy the legacy. That's my last plea. Think of your family. Think of everything we have built over the last 80, 90, 2,000 years. Would you grind it all into the dust for a moment of defiance against the Lord? This family that you speak of has cast me out and forgotten me and only brought me in now when it was financially to your benefit. Well, that's true. It is true. I've never heard of you before this, honestly. We were trying to keep it quiet, Jack. It's an embarrassing thing. I'm sorry, Oswald. On behalf of my... Our family, I suppose I can support you in this villainous mission. It's great to hear you say this, Uncle. I do not blame you. I blame my grandfather, Wilkie, (laughs) whose tyranny over this family has finally been broken. And now, now we will forge our legacy... Forge it out of the flames of our opposition to these taxes. Um, so let's <sighs> l- explain to me your plan. Um, so um, these men are um, you know, kind of um, barracked in the city center. Um, you know, there's like a tavern and, and an inn, and they're staying in the gentry quarters in the inn, which is like the fine suite uh, with the soldiers kind of milling around down in the tavern. And um, how are you going to run them out? Uh, are you going to try to get more people on your side, or is your 
your small group of 14 plus Jack and Bertram going to do it? What are you going to do exactly? Can we I go to the uh, public house and try and go? Yeah. It's like, can we go out and get some more people? Or maybe we can use um, Uncle Bertram's, uh, his, uh, you know, his flock and join us as well. Bertram, that's up to you. Are you going to allow the flock to join them? <laughs> um. <laughs> I remind you that Oswald is very attractive. You're, and I am, you're the minimum you know, level of attractive you can be at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. What uh, what is the plan? I, I might, but I just I want to hear one. So tell me, Oswald, you've shown yourself to be a capable steward of the family business. You, so you defeat the taxmen. What next? Then we use the funds that they would have stolen from us to rebuild this town and be ready for whoever they send next. And then we gather all the peasants in the land together to overthrow John of Gaunt for the terrible damage he is doing to the, the f- to the crown you you seek to overthrow the regent yes I don't know what that means says Oswald <laughs> it's the person that sort of rules in place of the king uh, very recently he became no longer the regent but he was for many uh, years up until this point I see uh, can I pull Jack aside for a second sure, sure. Uh, Jack is um He's shaved down a pole and he has a bucket full of warm tar and a sack full of feathers waiting to hear that we're going to run people out of town. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, uh, Jack, you have served our family for many, many years. May I have your counsel? It's been many years and no one's ever asked what I thought. Uh, Certainly. Well, this, this new family member, this Oswald... He says that he is from our line, but he comes as if from nowhere on the eve of a great conflict in Portsmouth. Tell me, you as a soldier have traveled the world. You have fought in battles of this endless war. Do you detect in the voice of our new companion Oswald perhaps a lilt of an accent of the French? It is funny you ask. Because I look at this man, and he is, to my eye, the spitting image of old Wilkie, minus the drool. And uh, I'd follow him anywhere if you're asking. Shit. He's quite handsome. <laughs> oh, he is indeed. As fair as a beautiful milkmaid. Very well, I will turn my flock to this great purpose, and perhaps when we have dethroned John of Gaunt, Bertramism and Willemism can be the official church of the land. <laughs> so, um, how terrifying. Uh, so, <laughs> These are you idiots. are going to, with this, with this large force, I think you've at least doubled your force to like 28 um, yes. citizens, maybe a little more than that. I think uh, in order to move the story along, rather than do a long combat with a group of tax collectors, I would like one roll, one roll to rule them all, 
to see if you're able to drive these tax collectors out of town. And what skill do you think that you and your um, your force are using? Are you using like ridicule and threats? Are you using physical violence? And since you're the leader of this force, Oswald, you are going to determine that. Well, I've I I don't as we know, public speaking is surprisingly not one of my skills, but brawling is. Yes. So I think Oswald would default to physical intimidation and violence. The peasantry breaks down the door into the tavern and comes uh, running in with their fists uh, up and they start pounding on the men-at-arms who weren't ready for them and we're going to now have Matthew take his three dice in his hand and he's about to roll his brawl to see how it goes and we'll find out when we come back from a short ad break if you are able to drive these tax collectors out of town and what it means for the larger socioeconomic situation in England when we come back on the Game Garage here on the Glass Cannon Network. So, we are back where the citizens of Portsmouth are about to try to overthrow the tax collector who has so rudely and horribly oppressed them with a pecuniary and monetary oppression and our leader, the leader of our rebellion movement, Mr. Oswald, uh, has led a, uh, a team of angry citizens and uh, Bertram of the Cross's flock and Jack the Hod into the tavern and inn where the tax collector and his uh, men-at-arms are staying, and they have attacked, and even though you might use leadership roles and then a prolonged combat in some games, in this particular case, in order to show you the breadth of this historical event that we are retelling here. We're going to do this quickly right now with a brawl roll to see how well this brawling uh, assault works against these people. I'm going to make it unmodified, I think. I think we're going to do a straight brawl roll. Matthew, you can roll for Oswald now. All right. I got to go under 12. And I roll a nine. A nine. Uh, your people come in and they, they beat the men-at-arms to a pulp. They, they The men aren't even able to grab their weapons before they are beaten mercilessly by your men. Uh, and um, the next thing you know, you hear a horse uh, kind of like stomping outside. And oddly, Deadman is upon it. Uh, and he's about to ride away. What do you do? Do you let him run? Okay. Get him! He's the most important one. Gotta stop. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, he looks in terror at all of you, uh, but he has mounted his horse and he is uh, trying to run away and everybody's trying to catch him. So uh, let's see. I'll roll some brawl, but with a penalty for each of the, for a couple of citizens. Let's say there are five citizens in a position to maybe get their hands on him. And they're going to roll at negative two each because he's on a horse. Fail. 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 Success. Yes. One of them is successful, and I'm going to also allow one of you to be near uh, this horse, and that is Jack the Hod. So Jack the Hod was carrying the pole that he was going to strap them on when he tarred and feathered them. He'll use the pole to just swing at the legs of the horse. Okay, give me a roll. All right. Uh, 
Am I rolling for my brawl or just my strength? I think uh, since you're using a big pole, give me your strength. All right. And I, uh, an eight on 14. Excellent. So um, uh, this poor horse is tripped and falls onto its side just as this other uh, common man is dragging Oddly Deadman off of his saddle. And now Oddly Deadman lays in the muddy street with his horse on top of him. He has been neutralized as a combatant, which he wasn't very good at in the first place. What is his fate, people of Portsmouth? What do you do to him? So he's a tax collector? That's his actual position? He's a judge, uh, a traveling judge, judge, but also in charge of collecting taxes in this particular case. We tar and feather him and run him out of town, right? Yeah, yeah. You tar and feather him? Yeah. Tar and feather everybody, then we strap them to the pole, tie the pole to the horse, and slap the horse, and they get dragged out, covered in tar and feathers, dragged by a horse. It's classic running tax collector out of town. Usually, yeah. right after that, they pretty much die. Yeah, I'm now looking up the history of tar and feathering. Oh, the, the tar uh, doesn't need to be boiling. <laughs> the punishment appears in orders that Richard the First of England issued to his navy, starting with the Holy Land in 1189. Definitely tarring and feathering has made it uh, to England as a punishment by this time. I so probably you learned sla- it. Me. Yeah, you slap. Yes, you probably did. So you slather hot tar all over Oddly Dead Man, and he's like, No, please stop. Oh, God. Oh, God. Have mercy on me. Oh, oh God. I'm going to bend heathens. down. In- I'm going to whisper into his ear, and I'm going to be like, The blood of the people of Portsmouth is what gives this place strength and you would drain it from us. Oh, please, I beg forgiveness of you. Please, please. Um, He has completely lost his earlier uh, supercilious tone and has become a pathetic sight, now covered in uh, burning black tar and chicken's feathers. I would just, so the tar doesn't have to be boiling. I would prefer it's not. Okay, it's not. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm just right. so Jack can sleep at night. Are you going to slap the horse's behind and have him run off down the road, tarred and feathered? Yeah. Oh, oh, God, have mercy on me. Um, he runs off into the night, uh, and that is the end of that scene. Uh, but I can tell you this. Um, you spoke of perhaps getting in touch with other towns. Is that correct, my friend yeah. uh, Oswald? Well, uh, you um, you managed to do that, uh, and word gets out that you're not the first town where this is happening. In fact, you learn that John Ball has been released from Maidstone Jail and that several other towns uh, have come together and they're, the, an army is going to London to change things once and for all, to end these taxes, to get rid of all the lawyers, and to put an <coughs> end to serfdom. Am I meant to know who John Ball is? Ah, well, uh, maybe you don't know, but um, if you roll theology, you might know. I do. I have that. I missed it by one. I would have known last year, but I very, simply very just you forgot. I think you did have a plus two bonus on the roll because oh, he's quite I famous. It. I won. Um, 
So he's a radical preacher who was convicted of heresy and thrown into prison, mainly because Very he preached that God did not condone the uh, feudal system, uh, the class system in uh, England. You see, Bertram, you are one of you are one of many men of the cloth who are joining our cause. You are on the side of right, the side of justice, and the side of God. Shall we go, Oswald? Shall we go to join their army to march on London? To London! Yeah! I'm confident that if we explain to the king that this isn't working, he'll change the system on our fa- in our favor. Before go. we go, we must we must have a grand harvest of Bertram's cave to bring uh, communion to all of the people of our mission and to the city of London. Um, help ab- us, help us gather. Absolutely. Does anybody have any kind of farming skill that they could use to make sure you you gain a great bumper crop of mushrooms to take with you to London? Do. Yeah, I do. I yeah. do as well. Okay, <laughs> everybody, roll your farming. Farmers. I made it exactly. I made it too. Uh, I failed it, too. Well, uh, that's okay because two people succeeded. So, um, just make sure you know that in your inventory, you have psychedelic mushrooms that you could use at any point in the rest of the story, um, and you've brought those with you. Uh, and soon, um, if you were serious, you set out toward London. But it's quite a long journey uh, in this time period for you. Um, and uh, you hear that the uprising has mostly taken place in the southeast of England, and you guys are more in like the direct south at Portsmouth. So it's going to take you at least a week to get to London. Um, uh, so do you set out? So yeah. Any other preparations yes. before you do? I'm going to pr- just uh, try to rally as many followers to come with us. Yeah. Give me another public speaking role to see if you can get even more people to come with you. Jack's going to bring his wife, give her a big old hammer. Justice I missed has it a by hammer. Three. I missed you missed it by three. three. Okay. You are not able to get that many more followers. So you have about 28 people that are all going to journey to London with you. Justice now has a big hammer. So does Oswald, his blacksmithing hammer. Yes. Um, and the other members of the town take up their weapons, rakes, hoes, shovels. Uh, and uh, you set out down the road. We've got a week of walking through other towns. We can gather people on the way. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so um, let me just kind of roll on the encounter table. Let's build this thing children's crusade style, town to town. That was one of the okay. better crusades. Oh, yeah. My favorite. All ages. Okay, um, as you are traveling, uh, this is uh, into your week of travel. This is uh, quite late in your week of travel, so you're getting you're getting toward London. Um, can everybody um, tell me how you're eating during this time? You're not just eating uh, psychedelic mushrooms. What are you no. doing for food? I would like to make a soldier roll, mm-hmm. uh, and we are uh, as we travel through towns, we are getting food from people. As a traveling gang of armed people, <laughs> um, okay. Wait, soldiers eat when they move across country. Okay, great. Um, that's a great idea. Give me that soldiering roll. Oh, I crushed it. Uh, five on nine. 
All right, I'm going to say that that's good enough that you were, you were able to provide food for, you know, a couple of people with that. But, you know, there's a group of 28 people traveling here. So if you guys want to provide food for everybody, uh, you need to... Uh, yes, Bertram of the Cross. Could we... Um, could we maybe work in the idea of trying to gather more people to our banners and then ask them to help provide food. That to... makes sense. As you're passing through different towns, like yeah. um, before I've said Chichester and I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure now it's probably just pronounced Chester, but like these places, like along the route, you stop and you make your speech and they join you with loaves of bread and vegetables. Um, let's see how that goes. Give me a public speaking role. Uh, I rolled a nine and I needed an 11. Uh, very good. So more people have joined your banner uh, and they have brought some food with them because you specifically said you were going to ask them to. And you've yeah. earned at least, uh, <coughs> excuse me, nine more people have joined you. And it, importantly, it is not an act of pure charity. It is an exchange. I give you holy communion from the Church of Bertram. And uh, the, I give each new member a mushroom cap to introduce themselves to uh, our kind of living. Great. And they give you like a bag of radishes or a, fair trade. a loaf of bread or something like that. And I think in this way, you are able to eat all right on your way. Uh, to um, to London, um, uh, but there is some hardship. I mean, uh, you don't always have a place to stay. So, does anybody have? And I think the answer is no. But does anybody have any kind of survival skill or living outdoors type of skill? I don't believe so. No. Um. I. I again, I would use the soldier skill for bivouacking. I'll allow, I'll allow you to use that, but the other two, um, Bertram of the Cross and Oswald, I'd like for you to just roll against your health right now. Right. Ooh. Hell. I would have survived this a year ago, but I failed by one. All right. I also failed by one. I failed by more than one. Oh. Failed by five. Okay. So if you failed... I'd like for um, Jack the Hod to take three health damage. Um, get this. Even though you failed the worst, you take zero health damage, uh, Oswald. And Bertram of the Cross, you take zero health damage as well. For some uh, reason, the guy that was you. best at doing this kind of thing... I, I think it's just that you're not feeding yourself. You're feeding other people and you're hungry. Um, Got it. Um... And uh, this is the situation you're in. You, you still have a little bit of food, but you've been sleeping outdoors and you're feeling pretty haggard and pretty tired when uh, you start to um, come to the outskirts of London and you happen across a large manor house and you see that there are other people. You finally come across another party of peasants uh, uh, other than your own. Uh, who are all gathered outside of this manor house, and you can see that they are clearly setting it ablaze. Oh, and they shit. turn back to you and they go, Ho there, friend! Where do you hail from? Portsmouth and its environs! Stay back if you be not part of our our army! We intend to bring an end to serfdom... We follow the great preacher John Ball. 
And what if we are part of your army? Well then, friend, grab a torch. We're gonna we burn this town to the ground. We follow the great preacher Bertram of the Cross. Oh, <laughs> yes, oh. <laughs> yes, let us join them. The die is cast, and we must see it through to the end. Do we not mean to burn London to the ground? Why do we burn this town to the ground? Uh, this is this is like a, a manor house outside of London, and it clearly belongs to a member of the gentry. Ah, good. Yes. That's why. Oswald will join it. Uh, very Should good. Should we so, go to the kitchens before we burn the house down? That's oh, a good idea. Good idea. So you're getting closer, uh, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can see that what they've done is they've pulled a lot of the valuable things out of the house already, like a really well-appointed desk. Um, paintings, things like that. Um, there's definitely like a, um, a strong box that they're trying to bash open on some stones outside. They haven't been lucky doing that yet. Uh, and um, you could go into the house, but they are currently setting it aflame. Is there any sign of the inhabitants of the house, the family who lived here? Make perception roll. Uh, I did very well there. Um, seven out of twelve. Bertram of the Cross, you look in through a window and you see a man, a woman, and a child tied up with rope. Mm. I want to approach the guy who seems to be the leader of this rabble. Yes, uh, and let's give him a name. His name is... Ash. How appropriate. <laughs> You there, are you the leader of this group? I am. The name's Ash. Uh, hail and well met, Ash. I am Bertram O. the Cross of Portsmouth, a boon companion of Oswald who is leading our contingent of this great movement. Yes, so? I could not help but notice an entire family tied up inside that burning building. Surely you don't mean to murder them. They are part of the problem. The man's a lawyer. No! Which means the son will be a lawyer. Oh, I see. And we say death to all lawyers. Blessings of all holy God upon you then. And I turn around and walk away. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) Very good. Um, So uh, it looks like you guys are going to allow this to happen. We're so far beyond Bertram's moral radar at this stage that uh, he's already thinking about the new world on the other side of all this garbage, so he's willing to do whatever. Very good. Can we not spare the wife? And why should we? We kills lawyers, we kills the sons of lawyers, and we kills what women's boink lawyers. Ah. This one does have Wilkie's blood in him. But when you when they when the wife and the son see what you do to lawyers, will they ever boink or be a lawyer ever again? Uh, you did you doubt your own power, man. Uh, he seems confused by your reasoning, and will need some sort of role to convince him to spare the lives of the woman and child. Uh, what is there a persuade role I can make at some sort of uh, penalty? What does persuade default to? Let's find out. 
we just throw open our GURPS book, we turn to the page on skills, and we find Persuade. Piloting poisons? No, that's not it. Uh, diplomacy. Would be diplomacy too. is what we would use. And what does that default to? Uh, it's pretty difficult, as I recall. Diplomacy... Dreaming, driving, no. Every skill you could. Oh, here it is. Oh, IQ minus six. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a very hard roll. Well, um, I think you've argued well, or confusingly to this gentleman, to Ash. I, I think I can, so, I can assist with this diplomacy roll then as well. You can't. Um, How are you going to assist? Jack's going to roll up and say When you fight wars, you only kill the soldiers. Go ahead and burn that lawyer to death, but let his childer and his wife go, or I'll stove your head in. <laughs> Ooh, you're being threatening. Yeah. That feels like intimidation. Oh, I can, I can brawl. I can, I can beat this guy up to intimidate him. That I can do. <laughs> do you have an intimidation type role, Clinton Trucks? I do not have the intimidation skill, but I will say I'm not kidding. Like, it's not a bluff. <laughs> well, give me a... Uh, intimidation defaults to will minus five. Give me that roll, and if you succeed, right. our friend will get a bonus on his uh, diplomacy roll. Five, and my will is... At minus five, I bet I still fail. Yes. Uh, so at minus five, I would have needed a three a three is a critical success is what you would have needed. I did not get that. Um, he's got a large party of common folk with him. He's not really afraid of you. Um, and so if you want to convince him to save uh, two members of this family, you're going to have to succeed in that diplomacy role uh, at uh, IQ minus six. Oh, my God. So I need to roll under a five. Uh, but I, I told you that I found your, your role playing pretty convincing. So let's uh, do it at negative four. Oh, great. All right, roll under seven. Eleven. It's not a success, and they push you away, and they go, we think you are not true to the cause, sir. If you do not have the strength of your principles in your blood, then we have no use for followers like you. Uh, And they push you uh, out of the circle immediately surrounding the house, and they set it on fire. The flames go up because uh, this being a manor house, it's not just has a it doesn't just have a thatched roof, but it's sure. definitely made of a lot of wood. So um, they have managed to set. They've also gathered materials right along the edge of it that will quickly catch. Well, the house burns and the people inside scream. Someone could run in and try to save them, but there is an entire small force of yeah common folks surrounding it getting out of the house that would be a little harder yeah um, alright you guys, I, like, I, really, you guys... I grab Justice and I pull her away she says this is awful I thought we came here for justice but instead it's just I only us. see bloodshed um, I only I'm... see horrors and bloodshed husband what is the meaning of this I believe this was a a godly a godly gathering. 
this Mr. Mr. John Ball. There's no, no sign of him here. Merely soldiers doing what soldiers do. Uh, unled. So, we are soldiers now, are we? So, we find ourselves in a fight, so, so we are. I will follow you if you tell me to, for I truly love you, even though we never managed to have a child. Jerry, are you sensing sexual tension right now? In this uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sensing it. I'm attempting it. <laughs> oh well, uh, I love the um, the dynamic of the woman who will do whatever Jack says, and Jack will do whatever the nearest person to him says. Yeah. So uh, he says. I'll never lead you astray, love. And then he listens for somebody who's actually doing something. For somebody who's looking for someone to follow. Um, the house is now burning. Uh, you know, strong, there's a strong, strong inferno blazing around it. Uh, and I will just say, as the as the house burns and uh, people stand aside to let it burn, that this rebellion really did happen in 1381, and much worse things then the burning of a house with a family inside it happened during this rebellion. Um, there were a lot of casualties uh, that uh, perhaps were not uh, complicit in the government taxation policy. Uh, and perhaps we'll see more of these horrors as we continue. But after they've burnt the house down, um, there is a bunch of loot laying around in the yard and uh, on the grounds. You guys can kind of dig through that. Uh, but these people continue to march toward London, the one, the, the party you've just met. What would you like to do? Uh, if there's stuff to feed our small Portsmouth gathering, yeah, or something to assist in feeding them. Does anybody have any kind of scavenging skill? Because it looks like the party that got here first and burned the house, they definitely grabbed all the food they could as soon as they could. Sure. Sure. What about food that might be in the farmland right around the manor? Is there farmland around the manor house? Um, the yeah, there would somewhere. be. Yeah, um, of course. Should I try a farming check to see if there's some potatoes or something that are just ready to come out of the ground? Oh, that that's, that's interesting. Didn't take. That's interesting. Yeah, you may. I made it by one. Eight out of nine. Um, you know, it's it's June. It it's June, so the food isn't really ready at all. But you managed to find some stuff that's edible, uh, both of you. And so Maybe I'm going to say I'm not going to throw any kind of um, food problems at you anytime soon. Uh, although I was really planning to do that because in the actual historic history of the Peasants' Revolt in 1381, one of the problems that they had was they all traveled to London and they were out of food when they got there. Which made them, I mean, qu- quite angry. Uh, they were hangry, really. <laughs> <laughs> really, they burnt they burnt London because they were hangry. If you think about it, um, they could have just gone to like Nando's or something and got sure. some chicken. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that they did not go to Nando's. Uh, scrounging, uh, okay. Um, so yeah, you 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 get some um, some kind of like not not really ready vegetables that you can gnaw on, and you have that. Uh, and now the earth provides. Spending time doing that means that 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 other party has moved on up the road. Have we lost right. our tits for revolution? <laughs> Never! Actually, let's find out. Ha- have the people with you lost their taste for revolution? 
I mean, Justice sounded like she was wavering, but she also, you know, said that she would follow her husband where he said that they should go, and her husband said that he's going to stay the course. Did I read that correctly, uh, Clinton Trucks? I would say. Okay, but let's see how the rest of the people with you are doing. Let's see how they're doing. Okay. Okay, so they seem not quite as hot for the revolution as they used to be. Um, They are kind of all talking about, like, should we continue? Why are we doing this? Are we are, are we really going to kill innocents as part of this crusade? Can I try and gin, gin him up with a public speech? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Right. I'm going to say... There are innocents who have died and who surely will fall before this movement is done. But think of fair Portsmouth. Every time the French came in their endless war with the king, with the kings, it was the people who suffered. The people ever shall suffer until we put an end to our suffering ourselves. God has brought us here and given us this bounty that we may complete our steps and unshackle all of serfdom from the chains that bear it. The flames we bring to London town shall clear the way for a new Jerusalem. Ooh, I love that. And uh, plus, uh, uh, I got a nine. Plus two. Okay, so you succeeded. Nine out of 13. Uh, they no longer waver. They're ready to run into London with you. And then I walk up to Oswald and I'm like, this better be worth it. It will. It will. I raise my hammer over my head. I say, to London. You know who would have loved this? To London. (laughs) Wilkie would have loved this so much. I see so much of Wilkie in you, Oswald. And Oswald, like, suddenly his, like, face just melts. Really? <laughs> yes, and, and your forehead is far more fair than his with that hoof impression <laughs> that lasted until his final days. So, um, you head on toward London, is that correct? Yeah. So, um, you move up the road, and um, you realize at a certain point that if you take one route, you can kind of go into the city, if you'd like. Uh, and the city... Um, is burning. You see places where their fires have been lit. Somehow, these peasants got in through one of the gates, um, which are well-guarded, but somehow uh, a bridge was lowered and they got inside and they are causing havoc in the capital of your world. Um, London is the biggest, greatest city that any of you have ever heard of, uh, and it is currently burning. Um, so you can either go into the city or you can join a massive gathering of common folk who uh, are gathering outside of the city, camping outside of the city. It looks like most of the uh, common folk have amassed outside the city at this point. I guess we can, we can join them. Strength in numbers. Yes, I will rouse them with the lord of our family and our duty to England. Very good. If the walls of the city have fallen, shouldn't we press our advantage? 
Now you are the soldier. You are the soldier. Jack, do you want to? What do we do? (gasps) (laughs) Yes, Jack the Hard, you have served the family well. It's only in this moment where we must turn to you for guidance. Character with the clueless disadvantage, what should we do? (laughs) I. This is the direction we were headed, and if we just follow our feet, clearly that is probably the right decision. Correct? And then he looks at both of you. Correct. So into the city then. Justice says, correct, Jack the Hard. To our appointment with destiny. Into Um, the burning walled city of London, please. um, And you come to one of the, uh, maybe perhaps it's the Ludgate um, uh, of the city, which is uh, standing wide open with no guards on it currently. Uh, and uh, to do that, you go through a, a prosperous kind of suburban neighborhood of the city, and you see that many of the manor houses are burning, and you also see that there are heads uh, of uh, noble people that have been sp- put on spikes outside of these houses. Ooh. Wow. So I hope it was worth it. Also. I, you, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that, even in the, the wars I've fought. It feels like wasn't like a normal warfare thing uh, necessarily when fighting the French. You didn't put their heads on spikes. Uh, no, but it is a thing that the noble people of England would do to criminals and oh. to uh, common folk who disobeyed the laws and perhaps didn't pay their taxes. Uh, then, I, then I say let's keep our resolve and move forward. Yeah. Um, soon you are in the city and um, the entire town is being looted. Um uh, doors and uh, windows have been bashed open. People are pulling furniture out onto the street. Um, and uh, you even see people being harassed by the peasantry um, who uh, don't appear to be much better to do than the sure. people who are attacking them. Um, the mercantile fact, or lower class or middle classes are getting a. Yeah, you hear. So there is a group of like five uh, men who are being attacked by a much larger force of um, well not that much larger eight men and the uh, people that are being attacked are shouting in a language you don't understand Um, and it's not French it's not French nope I I look to these are these people dressed oh sorry are the victims dressed in any particular fashion that sets them apart from other people? Make an IQ roll, uh, any of you, at negative two. Oh, I get uh, it. I, Six. Under... I, made, I missed it by one. So these are middle class people uh, who are probably of like uh, from the Netherlands. Oh. But they are foreign, so why not attack them too? They kind of sound like the French. Right, exactly. Um, so the peasantry have gotten quite out of hand here and are just attacking anybody who is not only a nobleman, but who is uh, who speaks a different language. Is it how do you think possibly... Maybe just looking around, tell me if I'm... Is this... Did we make a poor decision? <laughs> 
Why would you ask? We're in the capital and surrounded by the city walls. Most of our force is outside, and surely there will be no reprisals once we march to the <gasps> castle. Husband, I fear for our lives here in the city. Let us join the larger force. Let us find out what what John Ball's plan is. When, when has a, a populist movement ever turned into a giant disaster for everyone involved before, or indeed in the future, literally every single time it happens? Let's, I, I agree. Let us join the greater force outside. Yeah. I don't believe these are truly our people here. These are, um, these are simply bad actors uh, sent in to make us look like an unruly force. Uh, this is Antifa. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you leave the poor Flemish merchants to their fate, and you join the larger force, and um, let's see how you are at information gathering. Uh, they will tell you for free and very quickly that the king himself is going to address their army on the morrow at Smithfield. Oh. And that is where they are gathering outside this large field outside of London called Smithfield. The king himself... Self, and you can also now make rolls to see any other information you can find out. What do we roll for uh, this? Um, if you have an information type gathering skill, you could roll that, but otherwise, just roll IQ on modified. Um, can I make a soldier roll to see if uh, the positioning of this? Uh, are we are we on a, on a battlefield? <laughs> like, is an army going to roll up in the morning? You're and, actually uh, on. Yep. A- you're actually on Smithfield, which is a lot at the time was a really large, big field where they would set up um, fairs and markets uh, and things on special days outside of London. Um, and it's probably one of the few places in this uh, area that could host an army of this size for one sort of address. Okay. And how lo- how large is the assemblage outside this? Ten thousand. Uh, thousands, 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 and uh, this is this is one of those questions where you kind of want to get it right. Uh, and I, uh, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the peasants' revolt, but I can tell you that it is uh, thousands upon thousands. Okay. Did I okay. Talk over roles? I apologize. No, not at all. Would anybody else like to gather information? I failed, I failed as well. Okay. We should try to get up front so we can hear. There's no way the king can speak to thousands of people all at once. I'd like to see the king. If we came all this way, I'm an old man and I've never seen the king. All right, Uncle. We'll get up to the front. I'm sure that would be totally fine. Yes, help me. My hip is bothering me. Well, in fact, it's going to be very tough to get up to the front. Um, So um, uh, as the day dawns, the meeting is going to take place in several hours. Everybody is hungry. Everybody is is sort of angry. And there's a lot of fights breaking out here in the rebel encampment. Um, And so how do you secure a place at the front to be right at the forefront of this uh, entire meeting? What do you do? Or is there anything else you'd like to do as you prepare for this meeting? Um, I'm going to attempt to make a public speaking role to declare that we are a delegation from the South um, and that we must uh, make our way to over there. Great, yeah. To try to kind of push through. Use okay. religious authority to kind of push through the crowd. Okay, no problem. Um, 
so you may go ahead and do that. Make way for the Grand Delegation of the South. Uh, Nine out of eleven. Very good. Um, uh, they let you through. Um, in fact, yeah, certain towns are prominently, you know, have their delegation, and they are uh, well represented, and they move to the sort of forefront. And um, you are shown and uh, greeted by Watt Tyler. Watt Tyler, who has taken control of the entire uh, rebel army um, as the leader, a, a, a soldier, uh, Watt Tyler. Uh, and he says, Hail, people of Portsmouth. Hail. Hail to you, well, well met, Watt Tyler. I can see that our little movement is growing. But it has already spread to the far south. Indeed it has. It has spread to every corner of this fair isle. And would they walk fast enough, the people of every town in England would be at your side. Well, today, I talked to our friend the king. I'm sure he'll be a reasonable young man and do as we tell him. By the way, talking like that about the king is shocking. Um, <gasps> certain that he's not just gathering us here to roll over all of us with an even larger army to create a lesson? Because that seems more like a thing that a king would do. He doesn't have the numbers. I know for a fact we have all the cards. And he's already, oh. he's already given in to some of our demands. Like? He's issuing... He's issuing writs. He's issuing writs that... Return to us our ancient rights. The lands that we held in ancient days have been returned to us. He's promised us this. Today is the day where we tell him that we're in charge now. What a glorious day it shall be. The tyranny of serfdom shall be crushed beneath the might of justice. Anybody else like to do anything? Overturning the entire... uh, system of anarchy. Maybe if the king's here, we can just can stop doing this. It feels <gasps> did, I, did I too far? Um, what do you recommend, Jack? <laughs> yes, I, let's all listen to Jack. <laughs> yes, yeah, someone says that. Wisdom. Everyone listen to Jack! What system of government would great, do you propose? Yes, the Jack the Hobbit. How should we transition? That is Jack the Hobbit. Jack, you seem to have a lot of insights into these things. Tell us. Yes, tell us, Jack. So, uh, I mean, just, again, this is just a fancy. I had it one day while laying brick, but rather than, rather than a king, what, what if we had, uh, I don't know, a system of representative government in which, uh, <gasps> I, ne- never, his wife recoils from him. <laughs> what are you talking about? I just—it's a—I—I I don't, I don't know. Don't listen to me. I'm just a full, just a soldier. You mean like a parliament? Hmm. I don't know that word, but yes, we already have one of those. Wow. Well, good. Never you can mind. See that. the smoke right over there. <laughs> Um, uh, and actually at this point, uh, yeah, you can see the smoke. Um, uh, so, uh, at this point, um, it's, uh, it's gotten later in the day and on the other side of the field, the King's 
contingent uh, enters the field and you can see the king himself astride a horse along with uh, other high-ranking dignitaries of London and there's a force with them of about 200 mostly fighting men but arrayed around them in a vast sea are the common folk uh, on the other side of the field so many more common folk than there are in the king's contingent and you guys have a front row seat so you see Watt Tyler go I will go and parlay with them and give them our new demands yeah Watt tell them and so uh, Watt Tyler uh, rides out on his horse and he gets off uh, and you see that he does not bow at all Uh, and you see that he just seems to be talking really kind of uh, openly and he's addressing the king directly and making eye contact. They're going to kill the shit out of this guy. They're going <laughs> to kill the shit out of this guy. So yeah. In fact, uh, very quickly there seems to have been some sort of disagreement and uh, some of the noblemen around the king are yelling at Watt Tyler but you can't quite pick up what they're saying uh, and uh, now one of them is coming forward, a sort of burly man with a beard uh, and he is pulling his sword and Watt is pulling his sword, and the man slashes Watt with his sword, and then another one of the men-at-arms jumps down from his horse and is stabbing Watt over and over in the chest, and everybody around you is, like, screaming, Watt, no! Ah! <laughs> ah, time to go! <laughs> um, and um, as this is happening, uh, there, uh, there's just a, a, a giant riotous tumult among the rebel uh, army here. Uh, and uh, uh, your rebel friends are arming bows right now and starting to point them toward uh, the king's uh, retinue. What do the three of you do? Let's watch this from the back. We're already in the front, though, right? We're right there. You're in the yeah, front. Yeah, we're right there. For England! Oswald will charge. You're going to charge across the field. Yep. Okay. Feels like the last scene in Black Adder. Um, <laughs> yeah. For England, and I'm gonna go with uh, with Oswald. What about you, Jack the Hod? Are you gonna? Um... Jack the Hod turns to his wife, Justice, holds her hands, and says, "I'm a man what's made to follow. I know that where I go today, you cannot come." And so I leave these men to their deaths. Let us go home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so a couple things happen. Um, as you guys are charging across the field, the king himself, a very young lad of about 14 years old, urges his horse across the field toward the thousands of arrayed rebel soldiers, including you. And so now... Bertram of the Cross, Oswald, and about, oh, 14 other rebels out of the thousands are all charging toward the king himself, and the king is shouting loudly, do you want to stop and listen to what he has to say, or do you want to just keep charging? You know how much XP you get if you kill Richard II? You'll level up a meat. <laughs> and I'm by curious the way, what he has to say. Even though this actually. is a historical game... We can become ahistorical. This is a role-playing game. Anything is possible. <laughs> it's an important... I would like to hear what Richard II has yeah, to say. Yeah, I want to hear what he has to say. 
He says, uh, People of England, I am still on your side. I am still your caretaker. Follow me. Follow me. Onward. Uh, And he is trying to lead the rebel army away out of Smithfield. So they're all arming bows, but then they stop to listen to him. And he is urging his horse away. He's, He's taking a hard turn, and he's trying to get the rebel army to follow him. Now, you might say, why on earth would anybody stop in the middle of their attack in order to follow this king off the battlefield? But let's recall, he is the king. He is the divine might of God on earth. And as this happens, Jack the Hod, you're the one who's in a position to see people dropping their bows. It's very persuasive when the king talks. Yeah. What would Bertram of the Cross and Oswald like to do? Bertram of the Cross looks to Oswald, looks to the king. This guy's eyes narrow. This is the moment where he gets to decide, does the family continue or do we fuck it up and die forever? And he looks at Oswald and he looks at the king and he says, My liege! And he just starts following the king. Very good. I Oswald. I wish I had some. I, I wish I could roll something because I don't. I like. I want to. I don't want to discount the king's persuasiveness. Then I think you should roll will to okay. see if you can defy the king. There we go. There we go. So if you succeed, let's be clear on the stakes. If you succeed in your will roll, you will attack the king or attack his retinue or something like that. Right. Yes. Okay. I'm going to actually point out that uh, Oswald has a disadvantage called stubbornness. Oh yeah, I think oh, gives God. him an advantage oh, on no. this. Uh, stubbornness. Uh, you always want your own way. You make yourself generally hard to get along with. People need to make fast. Wow, you've been well playing that really, really well. well done. Thanks, guys. <laughs> People need to make fast to talk goals that. to get you along to get you to go along with reasonable plans. <laughs> okay, so in this case, um, what would that do to his role? It does look like it would. It does give a minus one reaction modifier in some instances when he's being stubborn, but um, it doesn't appear to have any effect on a will. Well, I'm going to let it have a little effect on this roll. Um, because um, if he succeeds, he's going to attack. I'm going to go ahead and let it have a plus one to the number he's trying to roll under. All right. So I got to roll under 12. Ro- roll under 12 to attack. And if mm-hmm. I fail, I just follow the Mm-hmm. I rolled a 16. So I 16. I turn and follow the king. Um, and so many people did. In fact, I mean, it, it seems unlikely, but in history, this really happened. Even though they all just saw their leader and hero, Watt Tyler, stabbed to death in front of them, the bulk of the rebel force then followed the king out of Smithfield over to Clerkenwell. And that is what is now happening. So, Jack the Hot, as you and Justice sort of exit out the back, you watch as the rebel force all just sort of docilely uh, follows the king out of the area. That's being a king for you. Uh, 
And that is being a king for you. Um, so um, all of you end up uh, in the middle of the rebel force. Uh, and uh, in history, um, people just... This is true. People mainly just sort of... The, the rebel army just kind of dissolved slowly starting yeah. the next day. Um, however, the uh, Lord Mayor of London did get the forces together in the city um, to drive people out of the city, and that was successful over the next couple days. Um, bit of an anticlimax, but that's what history is like sometimes, you know? Sometimes uh, history ends not with a bang, but with a whimper, and sometimes the same thing happens over and over again, like, say, the French attacking you or contracting the Black Plague. But what I would like to do now, since we've come to the end of our time, is uh, write a brief epilogue for each of our characters. And so let us start with Jack the Hod. Uh, And go into as much detail as possible. We have time for you to really kind of elaborate. Uh, Jack, uh, uh, this was his, his final campaign. Two stints in the army and one march for for what he believed was a righteous cause. Uh, but in returning back to Portsmouth, uh, he lived he lived a long time uh, childless with his uh, wife Justice. Uh, the work of a mason uh, he grew better at, but no longer the hot. He couldn't lift lift the heavy bricks anymore. Uh, so you know his uh, his knees, his hands, his shoulders began to give out, uh, and he uh, died poor, being overly taxed. Uh, and was immediately forgotten as he never had any uh, progeny to uh, remember him uh, without a surname <laughs> um, as so many others uh, that was his lot in life great beautiful um, uh, and uh, now let me ask Bertram of the Cross what, uh, how did your story end? And it could be something immediately after the events right. we have just recounted, or it can be as Jack well, Todd did, more, more of a, like a whole story ending. Here we go. So okay. cut to just outside of Portsmouth Town. Beautiful, beautiful British sort of rolling hills. And in one of those hills, there's an entrance to a cave. And the camera kind of goes in through the cave toward a little campfire sort of within. But the lights of that campfire outline an obelisk at the center of the cave. And the voices from the side say, I think it's over here. The old, the old song lyrics say it's over here. It must be, this must be the cave. And silhouettes of figures come toward the cave. And built into the bottom of the obelisk is a dish. And as has happened for centuries, pilgrims have put little caps of mushrooms grown in the cave in this dish. And one by one, the hands reach in and you see these people eating the, the dish, or eating the, uh, the mushrooms. And then... The light of the cave brightens, and you see it is the 1970s British folk revival band Steel Eye Span, and they are what? sitting there, and they start playing a song, and it's one of Theodric's old songs, but with a little bit of a modern hint to it. Yeah. And though Bertram is forgotten among the annals of British history, among the folk history, sure. among the people who have preserved the songs and lyrics of the ancient past... 
Bertram, oh, the cave. Bertram, oh, the cross. And the whole damn family are alive once again as part of the proud British folk revival tradition of the 1970s. A young Richard and as the Thompson. beautiful sounds of, of singer Madeline Pryor echo through the cave, our family lives on and on. Wow. Until that, was, that genre of music dies like five years later. That was beautiful. Yes, for a short period in the 70s, uh, the family is sort of half-remembered in song. Uh, yes. But let us go back. Let us go back through the annals of history. Uh, perhaps a particular song lyric mentions Oswald. Oswald, how does the story end for Oswald? Oswald is granted clemency, as all all the other peasants were, or most of them anyway, uh, and returns home, back or returns to his new home of Portsmouth, and doubles down on his blacksmithing industry, and really lives a life of quiet servitude. He doesn't, you know, he still has to work as a serf. All the, I believe, all the, all those, all those ideas about releasing the serfs don't happen, right? In this. Like, no, they do not. They do not happen. Weirdly, the king in his first meeting, which you guys were too late to attend, said, "I agree with all of you. I'll do whatever you want." And then in the second meeting, they killed Watt Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, and then just got everybody else to disperse. Uh, so, um, so you say that Oswald returns and just works on his business. How about a final role to see how his business goes over the years? Yeah. I feel like most people's lives just end up they end up having to go back to do their day to day jobs, and then you know, things go badly or not. And it's it's so what an odd game today. You guys went all that way, and then you just then and and this this is what happened to a lot of people. Yeah, they went all that way, and then then they just went home. We got I, swept up in I the tide know. of history. Well, I don't know this period of history very well, but I, I know the, the Wars of the Roses a lot. And when I remember studying it, it was like every battle, the the whoever, whatever leader of the Yorkists or the Lancastrians was there would just flee the field, and then all the all the peasants would just sit down, and then they would and they would get the, you know they would go over, pardon all the peasants, and then they would go about their lives, and then they would just keep happening over and over and over and over again. Right. Um. um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So Birch, uh, Oswald rolled a. 12 under 13 for his blacksmithing industry. Um, you are moderately successful uh, still. Um, and uh, the shop lives on past Oswald. And uh, perhaps the shop lives on until next time we meet all of these characters uh, or their descendants when we tackle the 15th century. <gasps> whoa, whoa, what? There's yes. another century? I'm not promising it's going to happen, but it's possible. <laughs> Um, the final thing I would like to say before we end this whole series, and this is something that Eric Mona brought up to us when we were talking about this, is the fact that these people did not have surnames is sort of um, strangely poignant. There were so many people that lived these like very exciting, terrifying, uh, interesting lives full of sorrow and madness and joys, and just none of them are ever really going to be remembered they did not even have last names um so we we played a silly role-playing game today but when we think about history maybe we think about all of the people without last names who were forgotten and didn't really make the pages of your high school history book um that is the end of our series that was the calamitous 14th century thank you for watching or listening i want to thank Clinton Trucks, Matthew Capitacasa, and Eric Mona for playing with me. Um, this has been the Game Garage. 
Until next time, good night. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. 